usually wear contacts. <laughs> um, no, I haven't worn them in a while. He's like me, he whips them out every six months. Yeah. And did you know we've already started the podcast? Not this. Holy time. shit! Yeah. Really taking some pleasure out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll never know. You're going to have to wait until we get used to this format, then you have to go back to the old one. I look so far away from you guys on the video right now. Just like social distancing, you know? We're doing it properly. Exactly. Yeah. Safe, yeah. That, this is all by design. 100%, 100%. All well thought out. So, 162, 162 episodes with you guys. Wow. Not, not yet. Not, you know, if, is this the episode where I start to ramble about how many episodes we've done? You know, 162, that's a real milestone number. Oh, you, you know, when you think or sixth of, episode. You, you know, get there like ramble. every 30 yeah. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> 37, it's on a Cue lunar the heartfelt, cycle. You know. <laughs> um, do we really have to talk about Tenet? Like, I guess it's in the title, it's in the notes. We get out, we get out, I mean, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Else. The saga is over for now. It's been taken off Warner Brothers release mm. schedule. Are we, are we not talking about what we watched this week? We'll get around to it. Okay, let's sorry. Just, let's really throw <laughs> up the format. <laughs> really? Episode, episode 162, it's a landmark one. It really is. It goes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about Tenet later. We're also talking about New Mutants. God damn it, I'm going to just lose my shit. This we're not, we're not actually. We just discussed we're not talking about that. Yeah. Well, I'm just reading it now because <laughs> it just adds effects. You know? just, just bleep that whole bit. It'll be really intriguing for anyone. And oh, no. We've got movie book club number 13, the double feature Starship Troopers, Sorry to Bother You, which I'm really, really excited to talk about, as voted by the movie book club group. And um, I'm going to read out everyone's names who voted for this because I want to do that later on. And something else I want to do later on is we're going to be announcing episode 14, movie book club, which everyone voted on. So that's super exciting. Anyway, what did you watch? Tell me. Tell me what you watched this week. Connor, start us off with a bang. I really don't have a bang. <laughs> um, well, I mean, apart from the double feature, which, you know, kind of makes up most of what I watched, I did start watching um, The Windsors, which is a, a series that I've seen on Netflix for a while. It's this, like, goofy kind of um, satire of, of, well, the real Windsors. Um, and my only exposure to it has been so far kind of like little clips that show up on social media, which I thought have been really funny, but I've never really had the wherewithal, the, the desire to really delve into the series. Um, so I chucked on a few episodes this week and I thought it's actually really funny. Um, and it's, it's kind of that goofy comedy that only the Brits can really pull off um, well, I think. Um, it's just, it's, it's that kind of, it's silly. Right. And I, I don't know how like, I wish there was a better way to describe that style of comedy, you know, uh, you know, just kind of go into it a little bit more. But all I can say about it is it's silly and it's fantastic. Um, well, give us the log line. Like what's, the what's the elevator pitch for this thing? Um, highly characterized or caricatured satirical versions of the royal family hmm. um, and just kind of portraying them as so wildly out of touch. Um, what a concept. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, to like to the point of just like pure absurdity and it and it speaks to some of the real kind of disconnects that they have, mm. but also just kind of pokes pokes fun at absolutely everyone. And I think the only royals that don't show up in this series are, are Philip and the Queen. Um, but it's all everyone below it are, are just made out to be these. Everything from 
like evil goofy silly to incompetent goofy silly to like just it's I, I don't even I don't even know how to like properly describe it. I've but never heard of this. Yeah. Check it out. It's I mean I it's don't think I will. Actually, you know what? I was, I was, gonna, I was more talking to Ben on that one because I feel like this wouldn't hit your yeah, sensibilities, George. I think it will. Um, but I mean, <laughs> as, as, the as someone <laughs> that has always loved kind of British absurdist comedy, like mm. I grew up with Python. I used to love um, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry when they did their, um, what was it? Fry and Laurie was the their skit um, thing. Rowan Atkinson um, doing totally. his stage stuff. I mean, I that kind of comedy just... It yeah. hits the I'm note for me. And, th- and this is more of that, right? It's more kind of this absurd, goofy, silly style. Cool. That's it? Yeah. No, that's, apart from the, the movie book club movies, that's really all I've watched. I think I watched something else, but it's... Escaping you. It is currently escaping me, yeah. Well, we did make, make you watch two movies this week, so the fact that you had anything else to bring is pretty good. There we go, right? Mm. I feel accomplished. <laughs> George, did you actually manage to watch anything else? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I've been editing my band's video, which is coming out tomorrow. So I've still been looking at visuals. But um, <laughs> Come on, plug it. Sorry? Plug it. Go on. Oh, yeah, I'll post it in the group tomorrow. I'll post right. it in the group tomorrow. We didn't, we didn't agree oh, on I mean, that. Well, that that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit, like bit like much, really. <laughs> that's taking no, your power I'd love to, to, hear, to... I'd love to hear what... Um, I would love to hear some critiques from everyone. Like, mm. I guess, like, I, this is a, a music video that I've directed. So I'd mm. love cool. to hear, like, you know, everyone's so... It will be interesting. ...articulate on their thoughts. And I love everyone's... You know, every, you know what's so cool about Movie Book Club? It's like, there's so... I think you said this, Ben. It's like there's so many movies that I haven't seen and the list is just exponentially growing mm. unlike any other time in my life. So... Mm. Well, I mean, that, that is... Uh, we've mentioned this before, but just the, the, the fact that this year hasn't had any new movies coming out has really brought that to light of like just how many movies in the back catalog there really are. And if... if I would probably hazard to say if, if studios didn't make another movie for another 10 years... We would not be sh- really. We would not be short of content. Oh no way! In 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 terms of like TV shows and movies, um, and everything in between that we could be watching. Yeah, there's so much to be found. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we might have to delve into some things that are pretty shitty, but we already do that. Yeah. So, but yeah, this was, like I've done a couple of music videos, and I've got to say, like it's been a number of years, but this is the least head fucked I've been. So, like normally, once I finish a, a music thing? video, I am. Like losing my mind. I never mm. want to hear the song again. I never mm. want to see the video again. Like get out of my life. And this one, I'm not feeling that. So good. Hey, that's you know that's something, right? Yeah, that's something half decent. Um, but yeah, keen to hear what you guys think. Keen to hear what everyone mm. thinks. It'll be interesting to see what the um, I guess overlap of movie book club fans and metal fans are. <laughs> I doubt there'll be any. <laughs> like it is a fairly niche. Yeah. You know, kind of. It's not a niche style. Of more music. from like a, it's like a little, it's like a little horrible sort of little snuff film, like almost like <laughs> oh, a little <laughs> a horror film, you mm. know. So from uh, <coughs> from more of the horror perspective, and I know there's a lot of that. That's really the reason why I'd, I would want everyone to see it. Like mm. if it was some like airy fairy indie rock crap, like you guys listen to, <laughs> I wouldn't be putting it in there. <laughs> Don't lump me in with him. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> 
Um, um, you some more nuance in your musical tastes, are you? Absolutely. Yeah, but okay. no, as I said, very keen to talk about this week's movies because I feel like they link up in an interesting way. It's amazing how yeah. that turned out, isn't it? And then next week's one, I think the winner at this stage is looking like one that I've wanted to see for a while. Hmm. Um, and a musical didn't win. Victory! Well, <laughs> you can only go to so much. We both have ironclad picks yeah. like yeah, every other week. It. Bring it. So bring we it can then. just tell you to watch. <laughs> bring it. We can do it for the rest let's of the go. year if you want. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I want to see how it unfolds. Change my mind. Change me. With a broken George at the end. <laughs> <laughs> just like huddled up in yeah. fetal position. Mm. Yeah, I totally watched this week's entry. Yeah. <laughs> Sing us the what song. Happened at, <laughs> what happened at 47 minutes, 15 seconds? Now. Um, Benny, what did you watch this week? Man. Um, we've I, we've really got to rename this segment um, Ben's lack of social skills. I think because oh, every yeah. week it's just me going on for twenty minutes about stuff I've seen. Oh, don't get me wrong. I have no social skills. I just <laughs> watch. I watch Trump's forty-minute like interview. <laughs> like I watch other bullshit. Oh, yeah. Did you see Kanye's uh, Dude, rally? Can we talk about that for a sec? Can that, we talk? That concerns can we, me. Can we talk about something for a second? And also with Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park three years since his passing. That was one mm. celebrity death that really hit me in the feels. Like, very, very upsetting. Kanye West is somebody with a lot of yes men around him. And this man has, like... He needs somebody to... He needs a friend. Like, he actually needs somebody to tell him, like, yo, dude, like, you need to just... You need to go out and, like, figure some shit out because... This man, like, clearly has some coping mechanisms that aren't quite kicking in, and it was quite, it was quite upsetting to hear mm. him like, look, crying I, about his daughter and a. So you're volunteering to be that friend, aren't you? Yeah, huh? <laughs> Can you're volunteering you hit me to up? be the friend. Oh, yeah, no, nobody, nobody's looking after that man. He's got I mean, so many yes men around him, and yeah. nobody I, from a, from just a friend, like literally, like a human, like your how your mum looks after you. I think his mum gave him a lot of. Um, you know, he talks about a lot of his mum in a lot of his music, and I think he gave him a lot of stability. And I think without that, over the past fifteen years or how long, ten years since his mum mm. died, you've seen it slowly unravel. I mean, this <laughs> this is like quite the psychological unpacking of Kanye West. I mean, I this mean, guy's like this guy's very unhinged, and he's quite influential. You know, like the reason we're talking about him right now is because everyone knows about Kanye. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the reason I'm talking about him is because he's completely gone off the rails. Like. I, I, my, my only question is like, how many people are genuinely taking Kanye West seriously nowadays? And I think that there's lots of people that obviously extremely went to his that. last his last release with Kid Cudi got extremely high reviews. Like oh, his music is incredible. Music, I, I have no. Well, I mean, his last album I thought was fairly dog shit. I don't um, know what's which one was that one. This is the gospel one. Oh yeah, it was awful. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, look. Musically, I don't have any gripes against the guy, but I mean, who's listening to Kanye West politically? Like, no, who, who's no. who's really going? Like, you know where I want to get my information from? This guy. I mean, it's that's a, it's kind of like watching this slow motion train wreck. It's a PR. It's a PR move more yeah, than he's anything. he's dropping his album in a week or two, isn't he? Like, yeah. this is clearly what this is. Yeah, yeah this is just getting him in the like being in the news. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it's a pretty standard affair, right? Yeah, but. But no, it's honestly, I, I actually <laughs> think he really does, man. It's upsetting to see. Like, mm. you know, you think Kanye West, he's like, but he's actually like somebody like you or me. Like he's just a regular <laughs> dude who went and became one of the most influential people on earth. And he's super unhinged. Did mm. you see his Twitter today? My brother texted me and he was like, dude, go check. Because we were talking about it yesterday. He was like, go check his Twitter. Dude, it's just like gobbledygook, man. Like what, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just gibberish. 
Just I, I very intentionally don't follow any of this. No, stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't have a Twitter account. So I, no, I, I, I mean, in general, I scroll past anything I see. I, I, do, TikTok, I do have a Twitter so account, but I recently took it off my phone, mm. um, like only a couple of days ago. Because when I originally got it, I got it with like news, like purely for news, and then I started adding a few more kind of different sources. And then you know, in the last week or two, I've just like every time I've seen anyone post any kind of opinion on Twitter, I've been like fuck, everyone is so goddamn dumb. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It gave me this yeah. idea that we're doomed. And like... That's what Twitter does. You're yeah, a doomer. Any, any kind of social media, like if you get, if you get too entrenched oh, in it, and it's like, it's, you're, you just, you think the world's coming to an end. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, anyways. Uh, so I deleted that shit. Good man. Anyways, this is nothing to do with... <laughs> Continue on, Ben. You were about to go through your... Uh, any, any more... Um, any more random news articles I you want to... I think you need... To, I think just look after your friends, check in with them, say, is everything cool? Because, like, that man needs a friend. Yeah, so specifically, everyone check in with Kanye. Um, I was send, him a, send him a little DM. Like, if I see you doing a campaign rally on him, it'll be like, I should have I should have called him more often. Yeah, way to take the, say, the wind out of my sails. I was just about to announce my run for the, the yeah. presidency, but uh, I might save that for, for next week. <laughs> <laughs> El Presidente. I'm already the president of that shit. But you sub. <laughs> it's a military coup. <laughs> All right, let's talk about movies here. Yeah, cool. Um, I just watched the other day a very good movie that I'm highly recommending to everyone, um, Palm Springs, starring... Where did you watch that? Um, Hulu, VPN. It's a Hulu uh, movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, because I was trying to find it, because I, 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 love, I love the look of that movie. What's his name? Um, I, not Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> not me, I'm asking you. <laughs> Adam Sandberg? Uh, Andy Samberg. Andy yeah. Samberg. I yeah. blanked on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I would recommend anyone to just kind of go into this movie blind, not really knowing anything. Um, that being said, the just to describe the very basic um, premise of the film, it's kind of another spin on Groundhog's Day. Um, and oh, cool. I feel like those fall into two camps, um, redundant, unnecessary ones and ones that do something new with it and are really good. Um, and this is definitely the latter. Nice. Um, good to hear. Yeah, it's it's really um, really funny, really heartwarming, really overall entertaining, and really does a great job of integrating its story and its themes into the premise of um, this Groundhog's Day situation. Um, it unfortunately goes the opposite route of Happy Death Day and doesn't use Groundhog's Day within the narrative to explain the narrative because I find that to just be a great shorthand and the the thing that would happen in real life for pretty much anyone. I thought- I mean, just from the trailer, I thought that he did mention Groundhog Day, as in, like, this is one of those Groundhog Day situations. No. Doesn't, doesn't name check it. Oh, okay. But um, nonetheless, fantastic movie. Um, I, I, this who, who plays op- opposite Andy Samberger again? Uh, I can't remember her name. She was in um, How I Met Your Mother, I think, maybe towards the end or something. We're talking a comedy here, comedy thriller. No, comedy. 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 Andy Samberg, so... Pretty, pretty funny stuff, um, but but also quite deep and, and dramatic as well. Um, just really good all around. J.K. Simmons is in there as well. is a very mm. fun character. Um, I highly recommend this one. Um, another one that I really enjoyed, uh, I saw this in cinemas. It comes out on Thursday in Australia. Uh, it's a new horror movie from Blumhouse called The Vigil. Um, now, this was a complete unknown to me. I just saw that there happened to be an advanced screening on um, the other night, and I thought, horror movie decent reviews i'll go check it out um the basic premise is um 
really cool. It was very deeply entrenched in uh, Jewish culture. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Basically, uh, this guy who's kind of escaping a really orthodox Jewish community in New York um, gets kind of pulled back in for this one night because he, he's a, a, a shoma, which is a, a, a guy who basically has to sit and watch a dead body overnight in the, the house where he died to, um, you know, allegedly de- defend it from evil spirits that might come and try and take the soul or something. I, I'm no expert on religion. Um, but um, the, the movie is clearly very authentic in that regard. Um, and it's just a great little setup of this, this guy kind of struggling with his new life and his lack of faith, um, you know, basically just sitting in this house, in this room all night with a dead body. Um, just instantly obvious how that's a great setup for a horror movie, I think. And it it really delivered for me. Um, I was in a virtually empty cinema and I just enjoyed the hell out of this. It really feel, it feels, uh, shockingly, um, like, cause it really feels like an indie movie. It is Blumhouse. I feel like, I don't know when they came in, in the process, but it, it feels very polished for what it is. Okay, cool. Um, it really kind of surprised me in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Very basic, but also very polished. Um, it's the kind of movie that I could see very, be being very easily folded into like the conjuring universe cool. and making that universe all the richer for it. Cause it really highlights how, um, kind of, um, like, uh, Christianity centric, a lot of horror movies are Yeah, with all the, you know, the Catholic imagery and all that stuff where this is really just another, just a very different, unique voice, um, in that realm. And awesome. I really appreciated it. Killer. Um, so big recommend, like I said, it comes out this week. Um, well, well, it comes out of this week in cinemas. Yep. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Um, I also watched the new... Um, uh, why do I blank whenever we get on the show? Um, the King of Staten Island, starring Pete oh, Davidson. I was literally going to ask you about that. Mm. Go on. Um, starring who? Uh, Pete uh, Davidson, the Pete SNL Davidson. guy. Everyone hates the shit out of this dude. Um, do they? Yeah, absolutely. I have no real point of reference for him. I don't watch SNL because it's pretty garbage. Um, but he dated Ariana Grande... And he's, I think he's... Oh, he died, right? No. no. Um, but he... <laughs> no, he... No, he didn't. I went to skim the AV Club review for this movie okay, after I'd watched it. And um, and it was just, every comment was just how much they hate him. Really? Yeah. No, but uh, that aside... I, it, doesn't this one have... It, it's either this one or another one that Pete Davidson is in where he, he acts along uh, Machine Gun Kelly... Um, and there's also Bill Burr and at least this one. Bill Burr's in this, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so this is a Judd Apatow film, so it's very much in that... It has all the strengths and weaknesses of a Judd Apatow movie. It's very long. Um, it's very... Uh, the ratio of comedy to drama is maybe not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I'm generally a fan of Judd Apatow. I like funny people a lot. I even really like This Is 40, which, you know, I don't think I many people that. really caught on to, that. yeah. Um, I, I kind of like his slice of life, just kind of luxuriating in these personalities and characters and getting to know them and yep. seeing what they're like. Um, I think this one's a kind of a middling effort for him in, sure. in terms of what he does. But if you like his other ones, I think this is this one's really worth it as well. Pete Davidson was good in it too. I like Pete Davidson. I, I, um, Cause you're a contrarian. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that he. I didn't even know that people hated him. Like, yeah. I thought that was. But like, you, no, but you're you're like a an ESP contrarian. Yeah. Like you 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 don't even know. You don't need to know. Yeah. The the, the zeitgeist. Body sensitivity. Um, I knew I knew that like there was a bunch of like obviously area Grande's fans that hated him. Mm. But I thought that was the extent of it, and mm. like I didn't realize that there was a lot of other people that hated him mm. as well. Anyway, he was goodness. Um, the movie does a fantastic job of kind of following this character who is just kind of a prick. Like he's just a loser and an asshole. Um, 
but he's had a fairly uh, kind of a traumatic upbringing. It's, it's sort of semi-autobiographical. And um, the movie does a great job of balancing, kind of showing why he is like he is, but also not letting off him off the hook for it. Mm. Um, and uh, I think it ends up in a really great place. So that was fun. Um, and in uh, DC news, because I've been doing a lot of DC stuff lately, I've been watching the Harley Quinn uh, animated TV series. I've just gotten back on it. I started earlier this year. Um, people are liking that one quite a lot, and I can see why. It's, it's quite enjoyable. Um, it reminds me of a, another show that I like kind of a lot more, so it's not, not a super knockout for me, but um, it's definitely the most tolerable version of Harley Quinn I've yet seen yeah, in any say, medium. You don't like Harley Quinn, do you? No, I'm not a fan of the character. Similar to Deadpool, I like, I like the Ryan Reynolds version of Deadpool, but that character, that kind of meta, wacky, zany character that they both sort of are, just I find so grating most of the time. Just kind of lame humor. But um, this show does a really good job with it. Um, and I also watch the animated film Superman Red Sun, an adaptation mm. of the, um, the Mark Millar comic of the same name. One of the best Superman comics. Uh, very simple and instantly engaging premise. Um, what if Superman arrived on Earth like 12 hours later or early or something, and instead of landing in Kansas in the US, he landed in uh, the USSR, like Soviet Russia. Yeah. Um, and just the, the entire story folds out from that simple change and what the ramifications that that has for the entire DC universe from that point. It's a wonderful little self-enclosed, like three issue series. Um, the movie does an okay job of adapting it. It's quite different in some parts from memory. Um, but it presents a, a really good version of Superman. Um, obviously a very different version of Superman, but there's a real character there. And I think they do a good job of showing his rise to what he eventually becomes in that context much better than uh, Injustice, which I talked about last week did, yeah. where there was just no no real justification, I find, for, for the character. But thematically, does it work? Like, it, you know, sometimes these things on a home run, maybe an execution, but mm. maybe there's enough ingredients there to sort of... Spark an interest. You know, a 6 out of 10 actually becomes a little bit stronger somehow. Yeah. In regards to the animated film itself, I find... You, you really have to go in with adjusted expectations because none of these DC animated originals are generally amazing. Um, Why in, don't they in put a little regards. more effort into them? They, they, look, they, I don't want to... No, I do want to undersell them because some of them are really good. Um, something like, like the Flashpoint Paradox. That, that little bit of polish, don't they? But they're, they're working with very limited resources, I think. And like, they're more quantity over quality. I just wonder if you could... I would wonder if, if you, know, you stripped back 25% of the you know, the schedule and injected that, redistributed that across all the other projects, would we get a better... Potentially. You but know, or, or something to that effect, yeah. you know. I guess it depends on, I mean, also the viewership for, for DC animated films. I mean, like... Just slap a Batman on it, it'll do all right. <laughs> well, it'll do <laughs> yeah, all right. There's a lot of Batman DC ones. fans. And that's um, where most of the most of the fan yeah. base is. I mean, you know... They're, they're DC not... thrives on IP more than actual quality of content, at least in their... Um, a lot of their animated stuff and, and their... But there's subsets of DC fans, you know, you've got the CW fans, you've mm. got the DCEU fans, <laughs> you've got, you know, the old school, yeah. the cartoon, like a DC fan, you know, there's a lot of different types of DC fans in yeah, that umbrella, course. so... Yeah, I, I just want to be clear that I do not back your statement of uh, DC thriving on IP over quality. I mean, sorry, <laughs> if, if I were to look at... Yeah, it's at a very journalist statement. So. It, it is, but if I were to look over the last 10 years and the and the content that has come out, I would say, or let's even go the last 20, 25 years, I would say that 
with some notable exceptions, most of the content that has come out has thrived on the, um, you know, already existing, um, you know, tenure or the already existing IP. Like Aquaman. Sure. I, I think that's a lot of everything, though. And I think... Like if Aquaman. we're if we're talking away from like I the, said with some notable exceptions. If we're talking I mean, like <laughs> I, are you, are you genuine? Yeah, which was dog shit. I mean, like, but like it doesn't mean that that does that that's doesn't that's irrespective I said, of right, the right. statement. Right? Mo, mo, you, 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 all right, I'm saying most of their properties. Yeah. If you overwhelmingly, so yeah, you can pick out like you know oh, three, adaptations four, of comic ten, <laughs> three, like, four, ten saying? IPs. No, that's obviously not what I'm saying. I don't know what you're saying though. Yes, you do. What are you doing right now? <laughs> you know exactly I'm just, what I'm, I'm saying. I'm just trying to unpack your statement. My, all right. My statement is that if you look at the overwhelming... And, and look, I could be wrong about this if, if the numbers actually came out. But from what I see, they're relying on the Supermans, the Batmans, the, you know, the kind of more high-profile names. And they're relying on that more than they're relying on good quality storytelling. It's always going to be the trap that you fall into when you have existing IP or when you're adapting anything, Right. Because, you know, if you're if you're taking something from, you know, these comic books that are in, enormously popular from a from a marketing point of view or from, even just from a business point of view, why would you spend an enormous amount of time and effort making a quality product when you know the IP is what's going to sell? OK, so I there there I want to there I want to jump in, because what I want to say, just talking about the realm of these these animated movies these kind of straight to dvd things they make yeah. um they are clearly passion projects they are not no one's um no one's just cashing out on this stuff these are these are such a, a low uh impact um kind of realm of, of dc's kind of publishing they're clearly there's not there's no suits coming in being like you have to do this and do this and do that like um for instance another movie i watched this week was um justice league dark uh dark side war which mm. You, uh, you guys probably aren't aware for the past half decade to a decade, uh, DC has been running uh, like a secondary shared universe um, with their animated films that began with the Flashpoint Paradox, which, uh, as in the comics, rebooted the entire universe and started a, the new 52, I think, in the mm. comics. Um, and they've made like 20 animated films all in this shared continuity um, with a whole kind of thriving DC universe in it. Um, and they've actually gone and created a, a, like a finale to, to that whole story. So there's just this one um, complete Subset. work so of, of a, of a Just because universe. something is a passion project doesn't invalidate what I'm saying. But that, because that, that someone to me sounds like somebody who's not just slapping a logo on something. That's somebody who's taking time and care and creating a universe and following that through. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? Like, in terms of like what I'm talking about, it's very about, subjective. Someone, someone, I, I was just yeah, trying look, to get us. I was just trying not, to get us away from the, the, the debate. Not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying this is the be all and end all. It doesn't apply to all projects. I saying, disagree with your statement, but uh, how do you actually quantify it or, or go through that? Like it's super subjective. Yeah, I think you you've think seen one percent of DC. If, if I'm looking, if I'm looking, at least to my eyes, from what I see from DC, it does seem that they're using certain IPs overwhelmingly more than others. To me, it would make sense. You know, if I'm just thinking about this logically, that even though these are a project, you're always going to be able to find someone that wants to do an animated film on Batman or Superman. I'm not saying those people aren't invested. I'm not saying those people aren't doing passion projects, but someone is lighting, green lighting these pro uh, projects, right? You know, someone is giving money to these projects and deciding what goes ahead and what doesn't. Yeah. And I can almost guarantee you it's not because that person has more passion for their particular project. Because there's a bunch of people that have passion across the DC, but you see certain IPs 
appearing more and more and more. We're just talking about slightly different things. Like this last movie was a John Constantine starring movie. The the Justice League, like the finale of this entire universe. Yeah, the, not, the main I'm character not, was John again, Constantine. I'm not saying that this is all property. I'm saying from what I can see, what what makes what makes it to my okay, eyes. Look, we're, sorry, we're not even disagreeing anymore. You can, you know, we don't need to. You don't yeah, need no, to no, we are. Like, don't don't oh, try. Damn it, George! We can and I'm on. not even trying trying the one being contrarian this time. This is George. <laughs> not even my fault. No, I'm not saying you. I just think you've seen about one percent of DC's output. Oh, I probably if I'm have. Being I probably have. But that's probably a good point in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, for what makes it out of fake if news. You're, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're really into the DC universe, you're going to be able to find a million projects that I've never heard of. I think what I was trying to work for, what worked to, towards, was if you're just comparing DC and Marvel. Uh, DC, uh, their quality, I think, is a lot better on that front. Like, if you look at all the oh, fucking straight-to-DVD and Marvel animated stuff, no, but it's it's like all garbage, really. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Marvel is exempt from that issue. Right. Any, any, anything know, any, on earth, everything. It's all IP based. Yeah. Anytime you're taking an existing IP. <laughs> all right. Star Wars. Tell me I'm wrong about Star Wars. They, they leverage the existing IP and like put stuff out and they, they just want you to go, all right, you enjoyed Star Wars 20 years ago when you were a kid. It's a you very know. cynical look at it. You know, it's like if you, if that's, that's you coming up from the viewpoint that like any, if you see the Star Wars logo, oh, they're leveraging the IP. Eh. I mean, all right. If and you so want, it's like, right, well, you it's want, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's no real sort of like. Well, no, that might have been a bit different there. if I thought that they're like, if if the if they, I'm not, I don't necessarily have an issue with people leveraging IP. I have an issue with that then translating into projects that aren't um, as uh, or that don't have the quality that they could or should have. So, in case in point with Star Wars, I feel as though they could have been producing a lot more quality content or they could have been constructing those stories in a way that was less relying on the existing IP as opposed to what they, you know, what they ended up putting out there. So I, it has nothing see, to do with the... I can definitely just, see your argument more with Star Wars. But mm-hmm. like, if you think about DC, what's the one you liked from last year? Zachary Quinto. You actually don't remember the name? Shazam. Shazam. Like, when, <laughs> so not when Zachary the fuck Quinto. have we heard Shazam before? <laughs> Aquaman. When the fuck have we seen Aquaman before? Wonder Woman. Like, mm. that's the first time she's been in a movie. One of the biggest female superhero movies. So, like, Star Wars, 100% I'm with you. 100% I'm with you. Luke Skywalker's back. Han Solo's back. So you don't think Everyone's that back. those movies, like <clears throat> the the um, Man of Steel, the Batman vs. Superman, even Justice League, leveraged more of the IP and existing fan base than actually creating a good quality product? I think, I mean, how can, how can I answer that? I mean, like, you, I mean, you don't, but I mean, maybe this is coming. Right, so I just watched um, the Corridor Crew's new video about their attempt to get a movie up and running. And it does show you that a certain amount of cynicism is warranted in this industry. I mean, them trying to get a project off the ground and the amount of shit that they got for that, it does seem warranted. I mean, I'm not sure. Did you, did you watch the video? No, I haven't watched the yeah. newest one. So but they, like, but like, I mean, like, it's hard to, if you're going into and creating something fresh. Like, look at the marketplace. When was the last time you chucked on something that wasn't a massive brand or it was not endorsed by Netflix or something? Like, it's the world we live in, right? We're in a very heavily branded world. Hmm. So, like, you know, you you need to sort of leverage what you have. So I'm, again, no issue. They have with that. an amazing YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, never, so never saying that I, I have any network. issue with branding or leveraging IP or anything like that. Again, but I don't know what you're saying. My only I issue. Don't know what you're saying. You you can conf- like all I was saying is that to my eyes, 
I can't believe I have to say this again. To my eyes, to your eyes. DC seems to be leveraging more of existing IP rather than, you know, focusing on the quality of the individual content. And whether that's through giving uh, individual um, things more budget or time or release, who knows? Yeah. But someone's making a decision that seems to make this this kind of just like we're getting so much Superman, so much Batman <laughs> in low quality spurts. This isn't controversial, I don't think. I, I, I don't know, man. It's such a, it's a bit of a nothing statement. Anyway, Tenet. What the fuck? Let's talk about Tenet. <laughs> Should we talk about Tenet? Yeah, sure, why not? Let's move away from DC. Oh, no, Benny, did you have anything else? To no, let's up? all agree to have no idea what anyone is talking about. Yeah, 10 minutes of the podcast taken up. Hey, Tenet, it's not coming out. Yes. Uh, like leveraging I, the Nolan IP. <laughs> you know. Like I mentioned, it's been taken off the schedule. Um, so delayed indefinitely. They've mm. finally done what they, you know, we kind Should've of known done. that they have gonna had to do here. That's what they should have done a long time ago. Um, the caveat is that they've um, hinted strongly at the fact that they're going to have to release this unconventionally. It's not going to be the worldwide release that everyone wanted. Um, certain markets, America, you know, one of the, the big ones, um, just late, aren't, right? aren't ready for this. So other parts of the world uh, are going to say it first. So straight to New Zealand and no one else. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, we're still open for now. <laughs> so um, that's wild. I mean, it's okay news for us, maybe. Potentially. Well, let's <laughs> see. Mm. I mean, Australia, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mm. But um, I think USA, it's a good idea not mm. to be releasing this. Definitely. At this point, I, I got to kind of wonder about, you know, is it worth to, to, you know, put this onto a streaming service? You know, I think that this movie would be on a streaming I'll service. I love it, bro. If it weren't. For the fact that it was a Nolan film, I think that's the one thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but Black, like I'm I, I would have said the same thing, but then Black Widow happened early this year, so people, are, you know, as and you've said a number of times, you know, these studios have a plan and they're sticking to that plan. Mm. And I think everyone thought, you know, hey, this, you know, in North America, it's going to be hot. The vi the virus doesn't like it in the heat. We've seen more surges than ever this summer. Mm. So like, no, you know, it, it's kind of like lock it down now and then maybe we can get this out down the track but the conditions are changing so much i, I don't know like everything is tossed out the window and, as far as i'm concerned they should have they should have chucked out black widow in april and and i would love them to chuck tenant out i would love to see it on a streaming service yeah. it's not going to happen you would it? love every movie to come out on streaming yeah. service <laughs> i, love I think yeah. and look personally i would love to see tenant in the theater i mean as a as a personal preference i most tent pole like good films not that those are necessarily the same thing but you know most kind of movies that are made for the cinema i like seeing them in the cinema but i would rather see it in i'd rather see it period than wait for some kind of nebulous or like some day that it comes out in yeah, theaters i'm well and truly at the point where i'd be happy for uh, everything that's currently in limbo to just be yeah scheduled and released uh, at home um surely they're they're losing money you know by delaying it oh, everyone's losing a lot of money yeah well i was reading today that tenet apparently has to make 800 million dollars at the box office to break even oh um, break yeah. even yeah because of the delays the marketing and everything oh for real yeah well, so we were talking about this the other day they were pushing hard um, on one of the ufc events 
And, and didn't Nolan take a fuck off paycheck <coughs> for this one? I think Nolan took like no, thirty mil or home no or doubt. Something. Yeah. Well, he he's got he's got a percentage of opening the, the box office, yeah, so. or something like that. So I mean, like, you know, he obviously has a vested interest in this performing well. I mean, what do you do with a broken model? You know, like a model that's barely holding on. It's like you know the cinema model. Obviously, everyone's talking about. It. Everyone loves the cinema, right? Hmm. Like everyone in, during this whole COVID thing, everyone loves the cinema. Everyone still wants to go. There's a yearning for it. You know, it's still one of those places that people love to go to. But like in a model that was really plummeting, you know, hmm. it's re- you know it's tough. And this was times. an industry that was in in some strife, hundred percent, even before COVID happened. Like this is a really this is a you know a kick in the dick on top of a kick in the dick. Like it's. What happens to someone like Nolan? You know, does he does he have to sort of look, take a look in the mirror and say, you know, Martin Martin Scorsese, he took, you know, he did something for Netflix. Nolan's not budging. You know, is he in? But twenty years, you know, if Nolan's he's not, if what? he's not, if he's not budging on this specific case where it's like the most intense pressure that like any any movie could ever possibly have to be not released in theaters, and he's still like, no, nah, we're doing theaters. We're doing July. Um, that I, I I could see him really never <laughs> adapting unless all theaters actually close down. I was gonna say, well, the, I mean, in twenty years, it could be mm. that like it's just not a really viable way to do it. In twenty years, we'll all have the cinema virtual reality headsets. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> won't make but a difference. But you'll have like like you know, it'll be instead of there being five cinemas in a, a given area, there'll be one, mm. and everyone congregates to that one. So there's probably more traffic to that one. But I suspect that will probably be the case. Like you'll you'll have less independent cinemas, um, you know, more kind of like large mega complex cinemas, things like that. Which you know, it's it's unfortunate for the the small cinemas that I think have a lot of heart. You know, we we all did our time at at a, a semi independent cinema. Well, it really crystallizes that we were. I, <laughs> I feel like we were really lucky with our era. Like we got, you know, even celluloid film. Benny, you getting to do that, you know, mm. us. I remember helping Reese with the, the yeah, old the projector, big, old buddy. Big fuck off. The big uh, fuck off rolls, rolls of film. films. Mm. You know, like we got to see that last era, that last sort of do push. Avatar? Avatar. Avatar on those bloody, like it's there's like, like two or three reels. Yeah. So, you know, I feel very lucky to have worked in a cinema during that time because I, I don't know if the kids these days are going to be doing the same kind of crap that we did <laughs> in the back alley. I mean, it, it it is interesting that they have had a resurgence of film in the last few years, just in yeah. terms of being yeah. able to. Like, it's not the norm, but um, yeah, specific film sessions promoted as such do super well. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, look, I I have been saying this for years. I think that as long as cinemas provide an experience, and as long as they are inventive um, in the way that they provide that experience, they will have a place. You know. In, in modern society or in the future society, however far we're looking at this ahead. So you mean smell-o-vision, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, you know, <laughs> say what you will. Um, I mean, you know what? At, at some point, I could even envision, because I remember I went to, this might have been Epcot Center somewhere, like Disneyland or something like that, where they had those um, movies that you would watch, but they had like the speaker's, right next to your ears so you got this like sense that you were in the film uh, um they did like you know kind of uh, gimmicky shit like you know yeah. they'd spray water at you <laughs> and it was like yeah but without going that kind of ridiculous there might be something to that there might be you know a way of kind of 
being more immersed that isn't practical in your living room. Um, you know, I think that I do think they will have theaters in 20 years time, but they just need to, you know, be inventive in the way that they provide an experience, even the nostalgic experience that, you know, our local cinema is providing in terms of being able to put on old films yeah. in film. Um, you know, doing the, um, they did the, not the Scorsese, um, who did the crows and, uh, huh? Hitchcock. They did like a Hitchcock screening, um, of all his films. Um, just stuff like that, I think is, is well worth the time for those smaller cinemas. Cinemas. Yay. Yeah. But also release Tenant on, on Netflix or something. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> It'd be a major win. Whoever gets Tenant, like, help. They could make eight hundred million just with a bidding war. Fucking uh, it's Warner Brothers probably go to HBO Max, which would be um oh. very nice for them. That'd be that would ooh. Do you think that they would? Ooh, ooh. Sorry, I'm just I'm now just thinking about like it's a huge. That's a massive. Like if they said that was an A list title that they push for HBO Max, you know that's a huge. But I mean, it's not, reach, it's not available in, in Australia. Or That's a like great that. way to get people onto that platform. Yeah. Whether or not they'll see the end benefit, I don't know. Well, all the dominoes are lined up again because, you know, when, um, when, when James Bond delayed earlier in the year, oh, yeah, everyone else was that. very quick to follow. Um, so now it's at the point where whoever does that fucking major release on streaming... Um, I think everyone's gonna have to get in there pretty what, quick. Who's the next? Who's the next to fall? Is it? Is it all on Mulan now? Yeah, Mulan's in the in the hot seat now. They're so they're the first major release, but it's just gonna be this game of leapfrog mm. if they keep setting actual dates instead of delaying inevitably. Mulan I think I think makes I, the most sense to cave, right? I mean, from a Disney point of view, I know that they have that that standpoint of like the they're very strict on their tentpole films being released in cinemas, but. Um, if I were to pick between Black Widow and and Mulan in terms of which one would make more sense to go to streaming, I'd have to say it's Mulan, right? I think all of every movie makes sense except for Tenet, just because they've been so it's been so widely publicized that they want that in cinemas, um, and they've they, you know they've literally said it in their most I recent if trailer. We can see Tenet to like twenty twenty two. God, I do want to see that in a yeah, cinema I'm, though. Like mm. the more I think about it, out of out of any of the films that were have been delayed, that's the one I do want oh, to see yeah. in cinema. Like it's just not going to be the same at home with that one. Mm. I'm gonna to have to get a really big TV or something. So I'm gonna start a new thing <coughs> in the group where I'm gonna post like where people can ask us questions in a thread because I feel like we're not getting in a routine with that. So we're gonna do that on Fridays. Cool. So no question this week, but there's gonna be like a little cyclical thing. So. Let's get into movie book club number 13, where everyone voted. So who actually voted on? I was supposed to get this up during the episode, so you guys are going to have to... <laughs> fill um, in the time. Fill in the time. I was, I mean, you already mentioned this, but I was really happy with how these um, two films kind of dovetailed. Um, not necessarily in like genre or style or um, even like exactly what they're talking about. Just as long as Dead Calm didn't win. Yeah, that, that was our real the kind only of thing. Shit. Yeah, That's really what we were aiming That's for. That's becoming a thing now. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> but uh, just in, in the terms of like, they, they just had these like thematic or or kind of stylistic, or not stylistic, but like, I guess thematic similarities. Yeah. Well, we we ended up with, yeah, just two kind of awesome satire films. Um, so we had Geordie, us three, Chad, Chad Shaw, 
Um, Chad Shah. Matthew Francis, Chris Moore, Jesse Brown, Aiden Stokes, Brendan Harold, Adrian Conan Camp. My boy. Hope you're doing well, bro. Uh, Taylor Nicole, Kurt Harris, Joel Bahari, and Jake Travaskis. They all voted for Starship Troopers. Then we had Sorry to Bother You as well. Ben Smith, Fabian, something. I never know how to say your last name, dude. I, but I love the way it looks. Um, <laughs> it's just like a symbol to me. Mm. Um, Katie Staver, Ben Gordon, Ethan Krieger, um, Stella Moretti, India Winter, Luca Bell, Matt Reed, Matteo, and Daniel Pollock. And then we also got somebody voting for neither. But um, hey, listen, thanks to everyone getting involved. And, and, and next week's one was insane. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Should we talk about Starship Troopers first? I think um, so. Yeah, sure. Or how, how did you guys want to go about this? Yes. Yeah, might films? as well, yeah. Um, so this is 1997. <laughs> I've never um, seen this movie fully way through. Wow, really? Yeah, really? This is the first time I've watched this film end to end. Wow. It's a longer film than I remember. I will say that. It's so crazy, yeah. man. This was one of those like Channel 10 once a month movies oh, yeah. that, that I've just seen it's so many times. Impact. That's probably why you why someone wouldn't have seen it the whole way through. It oh, I have, though. This is a big nostalgic pick for me. <laughs> I, I, I've seen this a bunch of times. I saw it on the big screen um, a couple of years ago, which was a great experience. Nice. Um, so you've, you've seen this one, though? Yeah, I, I watched this some years ago. I think I've probably seen it once or twice. Hmm. Um, always loved it. Um, and upon rewatching it, as I said, I, I found it longer than I remember. Mm. I just remember this being like such a, the, the first act was so much longer than I remember. And it, and it, it gave me a chuckle because this entire movie is really like a high school drama film, mm. um, you know, placed in a sci-fi setting. Um, and I just, it just starring 30 year olds. Yeah. It <laughs> just, it made me laugh. And, and this entire movie makes me laugh, mm. um, in a, in a really great way. And it's, <clears throat> I mean, this, this movie is really well made in, in so many different aspects. Like it's, it is funny. It is, um, as, as a think piece, it is really well done. Um, and you know, just as a, as a cool, like fun sci-fi film it's actually really well done as well so it's can, kind we, of can we just jump straight on how well this movie's aged um Dude, the graphics how, are incredible how amazing it looks for a film from 1997 oh the, the blending of the practical effects and the visual effects verhoeven um, it like i don't pe think people give verhoeven a, his credit no. and especially with this one and i love how all of his films the sci-fi seems to come from the same kind of dna mm. it's like it's all got that blocky kind of look to mm -hmm. it like um total recall robocop this it feels like it could take place in the same universe the verhoeven verse i yeah, called that so what do you guys think i've been thinking about that all day verhoeven verse <laughs> do you think that's going to take off trademark it before this um, episode goes live please but but the the yeah like the some of the sequences where where they're going through the spaceship flying through i'm like this is 1997 yeah man the the, the model work is, is so impressive wow. this this movie hits that level that is usually reserved for like your 2001s or your um your original star wars trilogy this looks you know? like a bad film today which is like that's actually a compliment in terms of i this. honestly don't think so i don't think so at all. i think the cgi is unbelievable i think it no no i mean it as in like you know, a, a movie that, you know, that that could have been made today is what I'm right. saying. Like the technology is is 
so good at that time that it could have been made But it's today. got that, you can but see I wouldn't that say analog it's a great film. film it's got that 35 mil I love the grain on this, it. yeah. So it's like, I know what you're saying, but I feel like this is like timeless. You know, I think that's what it's got mm. against it. It's with it. It's like that bug at the end, the queen. Mm. Wow. Like that, I was like, this looks photorealistic. This is, this is brilliant. And it does the corridor crew thing where they play to their strengths, like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, where a lot of it's at nighttime, mm. some of those key sequences. So they play to their advantage. And, and they have a lot in their favor because for the most part, they're creating very, um, you know, these arachnids. They, they yeah. may as well be like robots because they don't, they don't have to live and breathe in the way that most creatures do. And I think for the most part, they look photorealistic. You know, you get the, the bigger bugs and the brain bug at the end, which is kind of like oozy and um, moving around a bit. And I think you can see that CGI. Um, I think the the bigger bugs look really good. I think the arachnids just look real for the most they, part they in every scene. Do. It's really hard to tell in some scenes where the the models end and the and the puppets end yeah. and and the the CGI takes 100%. over. Mm. I've blown away, absolutely blown away. Mm. So a bit a bit of fun context on this movie. It was not well reviewed when it came out. It was a massive box office yeah. failure. <laughs> yeah, it was it yeah, was I a movie. That. It was a movie that I think is is not subtle. Um, in any regard, but but not even in its kind of subversive intentions necessarily. But I can see how it would have been a real shock to the system at the time because I don't think this movie's goals would have been telegraphed in any way because this is adapted from the, the Robert A. Heinlein novel of the same name, which is a very like pro-military jingoistic novel from I think the 60s or so. Um, right. And... And an awesome property to choose to adapt to do the exact opposite the exact thing. Opposite, yeah. So people would have gone into it. Fans of the book would have hated <laughs> it. Um, people just would have maybe not known what to make of it. It has, like you said, all the kind of like soap opery drama yeah. stuff in it, which I think is all kind of done by design. But it, it's a it's a weird um, mishmash of a movie that is just a very odd fit, especially nowadays with all the blockbusters we have kind of looking I'm, at this thing. It's very unique. I imagine that if I was someone that was a fan of the book before seeing this, I would be peeved mm. at this movie because it, it, it doesn't resemble the original book really one iota, particularly in, in what it's trying to say. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is staunchly kind of... Uh, well, I was looking at a, one of the quotes from the director about um, how the movie is meant to kind of show that war will make fascists of us all. Mm. Yeah. And, and a very intentional... Um, you know, kind of allusion to Nazi propaganda films and that kind of uh, yeah, it's just it it, it just it's 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 almost too smart for its own good. And a lot of the design in the costumes, like it's got a lot of Nazi era, like there's there's satire just lathered all over this. Oh, but yeah. I think you know, Covered I in I have had friends go into the military, and I've seen them change. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and you know, for better or worse, um, that's just my experience. And um, to see the indoctrination in this piece, mm. like you, the system, the, you know, to, to, to build the systems in place to get people hungry to join. And, and um, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, I was in Berlin two years ago for my honeymoon. It was just like seeing the murals. Like, it's like, wow, this is so influenced by that era and it's it's um you know you feel this heart like i felt i felt a heartache for johnny rico when he's mm -hmm. talking to his parents like that scene is maybe not made meant to you know that he didn't amplify it in like a really emotional way but i was like wow can you imagine being a parent and 
is kind of happening and you seeing through all this bullshit that's going on trying to protect your kid even though you're from privilege and whatnot um i don't know it's just like speaking to me and i think definitely if you if i watch this pre-covid versus pro post-covid you know it's going to be a completely different experience i think it's like a lot more in your face now it's like it's it's speaking to me more on those war war levels and and whatnot you know yeah well it it's so great when you arrive at the finale and it's kind of done this bit by bit sort of slowly and you get to the end and um neil patrick harris is wearing a nazi uniform and and johnny rico's just this like fucking blank emotionless military machine not that he was ever Anything much more emotional <laughs> no offense casper van Dien, but um but uh yeah kind of and it's just got you know this ending which is just like yeah we're gonna fucking kill every one of these creatures and it's just so so aggressive and it's mm. it's 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 hard to imagine kind of coming out of that movie and feeling as gung-ho as the characters are in it well there's there's even a line in it which is um kind of startling which is that uh you know, uh, I can't remember who said it or the exact words, but it was like, we're going to kill your entire race or mm. in, entire species. And you're kind of, it, 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 you know, because the movie uh, positions them as the other, because it positions them as unintelligent and just kind of, but you never see any like motivation or you're never really given much good motivation. Like there's an there's asteroid no, that hits, you know, uh, that hits um, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, but the premise is that they're unintelligent. So you have to kind of like, is, is does this mean that they're that this was an accident? Was this mm. planned? Like, there's so many kind of like unanswered questions about the motivations. There's no context species. for the conflict, which yeah. is really cool because it all kind of <clears throat> comes naturally through the world building that these these aren't just bugs. There's so much more to them than the people are being told than we, the audience are being told at the time. Um, and it, it's a, a, it's great commentary on the way that, you know, propaganda dehumanizes the enemy. Um, the other, obviously these aren't humans, but by the end we've come to realize that there is a lot more to them than is being presented. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I think even from like, you know, I've, I've been eating mainly vegetarian this year, but I've recently fully switched over. Mm. And it's like, even from somebody who's like had conversations with people, it's like, well, you know, like, you know, there, there's, um, you know, there's, this is, this, there's a hierarchy here or whatever. It's like, you know, we can, we can, as you said, we can, we can portray things in certain ways and dehumanize, you know, mm. and I think this film, it was always like this undercurrent for me. It was like the humans are the bad guys, you know, the humans are actually, I've got a very sort of misanthropic sort of element to myself. And, and this film really spoke to me on that level. And then you get to the end and they've turned into what they needed to turn into for the humans. The propaganda worked. Like mm. they became everything that they needed to be Neil Patrick Harris and whatnot. And it's like a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, oh, it worked. Like everything lined up perfectly. And it's like this kind of like really cold and they're all shouting and it's got this really fun ending. But for me, I felt like very cold. Mm. Um, and maybe what Verhoeven was truly trying to say. And, and I think the reason why I like this film maybe more than other people is I love that 90 sensibility. And I like the night that sort of, you know, it could have been made in your backyard kind of thing. Like these sort of helmets and body armor and whatnot. Like mm. I can really connect with that. So there's so much in this film that's, I don't know. You can you can just kind of look at it that deeper layer, like, and it's obviously all there. It's very in your face, but you know, I think is is it hilarious? Is it funny? I actually felt like quite sad in certain parts and quite down. Mm. You know, 
Yeah, I think that's the intended effect, which... Um, I mean, that's, that's satire, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's meant to, like, kind of like this comedic, mm. absurd perspective on a on a real-world situation. And, um, and you know, that's... Uh, the, I mean, this applies to both of the films that we're going to talk about. But, you know, for this one, it's, it's just kind of like, let's take a sci-fi, which has been used for, uh, you know, almost as long as there is film to portray real-world events in these kind of ridiculous and blown-out and hyperbolic um, terms. Um, I don't know. <laughs> for anyone that's done Year 12 Eng- uh, English, I still remember the, uh, what is it, Reducto Ad Absurdum, mm. um, which is like just taking something to the absolute absurd mm. to kind of explore it and, and yeah. um, tear it apart. And that's that's essentially what this film has done, has said, like, what if what if America or, or the, you know, kind of Western world mm. just went full bore got rid of democracy, you know, in, in the pursuit of efficiency and, and gun ho kind of patriotism. And yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a, a really good way to kind of comment on that, that aspect of society. It's a scary world that they're living in where, you know, they, they're, they're being exploited to such a degree that they have to volunteer as, um, very easily discarded weapons to even become a citizen, yeah. like like a person. And 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 the and and the terrifying thing is that the justification that they give is not a terrible justification. Like, or I mean, it not a not a unpersuasive one, right? They're talking about like if you're going to vote, then you should mm. have some stake, and then you're like, and then there's a part of your brain that goes, yeah, that that makes sense, you know, and in this theoretical kind of world that you've put in front of us, that does make sense. Yeah, well, um, the so it's kind of sed- seductive in that way. I love the throwaway line when they're all in the shower, which was also a cool bit of world building where the the woman says says she wants to have kids, and you know it's a lot easier to get a license to have a kid if yeah. you've if mm-hmm. you've done your service. I'm like, man, that's a that's a scary. Because I think we've also the shower scene from the perspective of like the gender neutrality of it, mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. know the girls and the guys were just talking with each other. There was no sexualization of mm-hmm. the women throughout the whole film they still as well. Had their, mm-hmm breasts out <laughs> and like i think that showed his european background mm-hmm. for you know nudity is not as big a, of a and deal I, I loved that and I, that's why i think it feels so current it's like it, it did feel like hey this hopefully you know these gender you know the erosion of gender roles and hey we're just having a normal fucking conversation in the shower mm-hmm. and you happen to be a female and i happen to be a male and mm-hmm. it's all good I, I thought mean, that was very, very well done. In in line with the whole satirical and, and kind of sci-fi thing, they're showing this utopia, right? Like it's and it's a propaganda film, right? It, it's meant to show everything kind of in absurd levels, and so yeah, I think that that was it was really interesting to kind of for them to paint this future world because you know to your point, Ben, about the getting a license for a, um, to have a child, which one of us hasn't thought at one point or another to be like we should probably have licenses for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I, we've all, I'm, I'm sure. And if you haven't, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a really I interesting, so. you've never thought that some people might probably should have gone through a test or a, had a license to have kids. No. Fair call. Connor's a fascist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's put in rules for basic human life. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into it. No. Uh, so this was written by um, Ed Neumeyer, who also wrote um, for Verhoeven Robocop, which is okay. a fantastic companion piece. Just two absolute satire classics, I feel. Um, it's, it's so funny. Ten that years apart as well, 87, 97. Yeah, and it, it's so funny that the, the guy who made Robocop, I feel, which is a very, you know, 
blunt satire as this is, I feel that people could kind of come out of this and not take that into account necessarily. I don't know. I, th- I think there is an element of um, nostalgia for people our age, maybe less so for you guys, but I feel like every guy our age really likes this movie. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, but yeah, so... I mean, I won the vote, right? <laughs> won the vote. It's the one and only time you will ever see Chris Moore participate in this movie book club because nice. he fucking loves this movie. Okay, right. Um, so yeah, I, I think... What does he love about it? Does he love... Does he Because lo- I love it because of the set. I think the satire and like the propaganda and like the co- correlations to World World War One. Oh, sorry, mm. World War Two. Like even the kids, like the kids stamping on the bugs. Mm. Like that to Do me... Do your part. It's very that, Robocop. That looked... Mm. Yeah, Robocop, but it also looked like you know, just like those murals in 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 Berlin and whatnot. Like mm. it. Would you say that this is less? I or when I think about it, I find RoboCop to be less heavily satirical than. I'd Super agree Troopers. with that, and I think that's probably why. I feel like this when if 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 I was like an adult, if I was my age now, but back then seeing this movie for the first time, I can see me kind of being. Maybe not off put, but kind of maybe shocked at at like the brazenness of the satire. Hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of put yourself in that in that thing. I'm just trying to think of why this didn't. The, sati- as well. the satire didn't occur to me whatsoever when I was a kid. I watched this movie, and this <laughs> well, exactly. might speak to why Chris likes it as well. Yeah. I watched this movie as a straightforward action sci-fi, and absolutely yeah. loved it in that regard as well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any frame of reference for the Nazi uniforms and whatnot. Mm. Um, uh, to your other point, though, I would say that RoboCop is. I would say both of these are 150% satire levels, like just blasting with it. Mm. I hope you remember Maybe like Robo- Robocop cuts away every 20 minutes to yeah. so like all these crazy TV commercials I'll and buy shit. for a dollar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Maybe um, I need to rewatch. It has been a the, fair the, few years. You're correct. Yeah. Everyone always needs to rewatch Robocop yeah. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Yeah, that, that is a fucking brilliant movie. This made me want to go check out the rest of Verhoeven's catalog because I don't think I've seen half of his films. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen Basic Instinct He's prolific properly. Hmm. I've seen like the famous scenes and, and a few <laughs> other parts. And I've actually seen Basic Instinct too. Wow. Oh, which I'm very yeah. Why exactly. did you yeah. do that? I know that's exactly my reaction in my brain. Well, on that note, I mean, I'm sure you guys are aware this 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 is not just a film; it is a franchise. There's yeah. like three, isn't there? There's a bunch of movies. There's uh, animated movies. There's an animated series. The Roughnecks. Um, I haven't really seen any of them. I would hazard a guess that none of them carry over the satirical elements much. Yeah. I would almost guarantee. Like, I mean, it it wouldn't really make. I is there a satirical franchise out there? I feel like satire is really meant as a. I mean, one Ro- Robocop for one, but. Yeah. Oh, but d- does it continue on as a satire? Yeah. The rest of the, gets, it gets a bit watched. cartoony, but <laughs> yeah. second, second one's not there bad. Go. There you go. Hmm. I stand corrected. Well, I didn't you know, make really. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as somebody who's never seen this end to end, I've only seen the key scenes and whatnot. Loved it. Love, love, loved it. I did, you know, if I'm going to put my complaints in, much stronger first half than back half. Mm-hmm. I was towards like some of the bits in the middle bit, I was like, okay, let's. Let's get this going, guys. You know, I really, I think the front half of the movie is almost perfect for me. And the back half kind of gets a little bit Where boring. do you kind of consider the back half? I'm just I'd trying to like say when they first land after the nighttime battle, you know, the, the, the initial sequence okay. that they flash back to. That is brilliant. I love the way this movie opens with essentially the death of Johnny Rico. And then uh, it works back up to that point yeah. over quite a long space yeah. of time. So, and then after that, I feel like I get a little bit labored with the piece, but mm. 
I feel like the satire and the the military training and the indoctrination, the interesting stuff, is and the conversations is gone by that stage. It's exactly like Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, mm. yeah. But at least it's got a sort of an arc to it, which I appreciated. Mm. Did you guys see um the film adaptation of Ender's Game? Yeah, I did. Because this is kind of reminded me of that because I feel yeah. like it has some elements of that story, which was um written in like 1980 or something so might have influenced this being that that kind of he's a pretty nasty piece of work isn't he the author oh, of Ender's game yeah 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 P- piece of shit yeah. <laughs> real bad yeah yeah because um, that was the Lindsay ellis that's yeah, what yeah, she, she did she an entire mm. but i guess what was on. so interesting is i watched this one second out of the two was how these two films which i felt were had nothing no overlap whatsoever i wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought of it initially like I'm checking on Sasha Troopers and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of overlap in these. Mm. Like there's a lot of commentary on Well, should we we use that to kind of like, you know, go off to Sorry to Bother You, which is, um, you know, flash flash forward 23 years or so. Uh, No, this is 2018, sorry. Mm -hmm. So about 20 years, almost on the dot. Um, And, you know, a very different, um, uh, you know, the commentary is on something different. This one's obviously, as opposed to kind of being a fascist um, military commentary, this one's very much about the dark side of capitalism. Capitalism. Um, it's, so it's as absurd and kind of out there, but um, also, I'd say, probably equally as fun. Yeah, um, so Boots Riley directed this. Great name. Um, first time director, which <coughs> I think... Both comes across in some ways, but also is really surprising because, like, the level, the degree to which he channels, like, Michelle Gondry Mm. um, and, like, uh, just have that Euro style, doesn't it? Spike Lee, yeah. Just this super imaginative, really Mm. feels like they, from the music video sort of school of directing. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's so much clever use of sets. And and when he has the conversations, like, he goes into their room, like, that's just such a fun Mm. visual and it really works. I would have figured this would have been like a third or fourth. Um, you know, as opposed to a first. This mm. feels like someone that's had some time in there, but is still working with slightly constrained budgets, potentially, and and, and still has their soul, um, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but yeah, I was just I I went into this with very limited knowledge on how abstract or how satirical this was, mm. um, and kind of throughout the film became more and more aware of how um how stylistic this film is this this film this feels far more stylistic than starship troopers Mm. Um, and perhaps that comes out a little bit more because starship troopers is a sci-fi which you kind of expect some level of um uh, i guess absurdity or or stylization for sci-fi as opposed to this one which is set in i guess semi-normal times or mm. locations but firmly firmly like in the realm of magical realism yeah very very much so um and i love some of the effects that that the director decided to go for like one of them one ones was having the white voice actually um you know dubbed in 
by different people. I thought I was, I was genuinely shocked when um, Danny Glover went out and, and, and did his white voice mm-hmm. and it was someone else. I was like, fuck, that's a very interesting stylistic choice. And um, didn't always match up. I thought the ADR work was bad. Was, <laughs> yeah. was very poor in this. On, on Lakeith Stanfield especially. <laughs> um, the, the main guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's just a mumbler or something, but it, it didn't line up with David Cross like whatsoever. It felt like um, they hadn't written the lines, which can't be the case because everyone else, like I thought Tessa Thompson did, did really, yeah. did really well on her There were some part. ones like when she was doing her performance piece, the ADR on that was, I felt really Oh, it's so suspect. much closer than everyone else though. Um, so much. Yeah, I thought that was the closest. I, I don't know the whole ADR, but listen, it works. Like I mm. actually stopped at the beginning. I found it a little bit jarring. I thought if they had just tweaked that, it would have made the effect of what they were trying to go for there more, more poignant or, or, or have it have more punch. But but I feel like it worked. You know, I I I kind of chucked it up to two. One of two things. One was that it was just an inexperienced director, but also. A part of me was kind it's of a technical like, task, though. You know, it's not a creative task. Well, I mean, or uh, you know, it's matching dialogue you know, to whoever he got. Like the the technical aspect of it is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. is it an experienced ADR person then? Um, but was it that, or was it an actual stylistic choice to have it slightly off put potentially as this kind of like this isn't me that's really speaking. This is someone else, and I know that obviously the voice does that. But even having it not sync up properly kind of gives it that impression Could of definitely like definitely be. You know, this is um, very much not myself. Um, but yeah, I think that this this movie, beyond the absurdity of it, does a really good job of exploring those kind of darker corners of capitalism. The, you know, how they can kind of suck you in very, um, you know, just kind of slowly and slowly. And then before you know it, you're in a position where you're very compromised, but also kind of you know, very close to what you want to achieve. It's insidious and it's a seduction. You can see why he goes down this this path. I don't feel like you blame him any step of the way necessarily, mm. but then, you know, he's at this point where he's just at well, he's complete odds with his uh, compatriots. That's the thing. He's a victim of this system. Mm. And But I, I think they do a good job of, of not just blaming the system. Like, he participates, right? Yeah. You know, he makes choices along the way. Yeah. And they... They, they they incentivize they even, the choices so yeah, yeah. much that it's hard for him from a person um, and his 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 problems that he has in his life where he hasn't paid rent for four months. Yeah, you know they take advantage of him and his situation mm. and leverage that to be like, well, of course the opportunity cost is too big for me to not it's go. Good, yeah, it's it. a really nuanced examination of you know how this is insidious and how yeah. it works. Yeah, and I mean like you're seeing even with the slave stuff in this, you're seeing stuff in the news. Stuff happening with Uyghur Muslims. You have stuff happening in all these factories and whatnot. Like there's some like the shoes that I'm wearing. Like who made those? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like that's that's what this film makes me feel. It's like you know these systems and whatnot that we have right now. Like there there is there's such a yeah insidious is the word. Mm. Insidious is the word when when it's exploited. Yeah, but I mean yeah. you know. Um, it's the capitalism has got to the point, and I think that's what this film shows: is that the the wealth disp- the disproportion of wealth is so huge that you we can't really continue with the current systems at play. We we have to make <coughs> some major changes because why should there be such wealth disparity, and and why should be someone incentivized and have to live their life in this way? This movie is is fucking angry, and it's got a lot mm. on its mind. I think it, it it's a little inelegant at points, at just kind of throwing too much out. It kind of explores a lot, uh, 
it's particularly um, at the end. It's longer than I remembered. It goes goes particularly at the end. It's like another plot point. Are they going somewhere else? I'm like, mm. you know, that's where the experience inexperience sort mm. of showed me a little, showed itself a little bit. Yeah, but I remember watching the trailer a lot for this movie when it was coming up, and you know, having pretty high expectations for it. Um, and the trailer did a great job of not giving away a lot of this movie. It seemed really yeah. predicated on the the white voice thing, and that that was it was just going to be like like a funny movie about that, which still would have been very interesting and poignant, I'm sure. But um, this movie obviously goes to some fucking insane places. Um, this is the first time you both watched this, right? Yeah. 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 How, how did you guys feel when the fucking horseman shows up? Um, by that point, I was kind of like... Ready for anything? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this movie is already so kind of um, out there. Yeah. That, you know, I, I was almost like, I was kind of waiting for them to really like drop a hammer of absurdity on me. Mm. I was like, I, did, I on, didn't expect that Just though. give it. I did not expect No, I was that. like, no, this like, movie no, has yeah. done a and sharp <laughs> left. And and the, the the practical effects as well, or however they like, achieved surprisingly that surprisingly really good. Great. Mm. Really and stylized and worked, yeah. you know. It almost had a stop motiony aspect to it. I thought Army Hammer's character was really interesting, kind of like the examination of the Jeff Bezos, the the um, who's the Apple guy, Steve Jobs, the Apple guy, the yeah. the Elon Musk's of the world, you know, the the tech entrepreneur mm. that's so heralded amongst circles. But then we actually, you know, examine what's going on. There's like there's some there's some nasty shit going on, and like people aren't getting compensated and and it's the same wealth disparity thing um i thought that character as well with like the i don't know i just thought he nailed it i just thought he could totally nail it a really good job i think army ham is not somebody that i genuinely ever think can kind of do a little bit more he's he's quite a sort of like he's the army hammer character and i think he's had a great few years man he, he uh yeah i guess i haven't seen a lot of his films but I, and really even, even in his stuff where he just plays Arnie Hammer, I've always kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I, I certainly came around um, on uh, Lone Ranger. The first time I watched that, I fucking hated it. Mm. Um, what did you the, do the second time? Why did you watch it a second time? Um, <laughs> I, I hated it less. No, I just, I kind of, I think I, I watched it off the back of watching, um, I think it might have been Pirates of the Caribbean mm. or like a Gore, some Gore Verbinski film. And I was like... What? <coughs> I went into it from a far more like. Are we talking about Lone Ranger now? Can we please get off? Lone <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's fine. Sorry, I, I got distracted I by it. Really by can't. But no, no. But I was saying is that I, I've always kind of like really enjoyed him doing his thing, and I found that like he's only gotten better over the years, um, and this really shows it. You know, he comes across as this really likable guy. This really kind of I, I I care about you. In those moments where he's sitting down with a gun, you you kind of find yourself being seduced by it, where he's mm. just trying to like explain this, and you're like there's a moment where you think that he might actually just fall for it. Like he might go for it. Yeah, the um, serious thing for Army Hammer, huh? Um, maybe I, I do. I, I want to point What's out, that, I want to point out this is the second movie in movie book club that, um, in which Stephen Ewan has, uh, just taken out someone else's girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that sneaky bastard. Hmm. Um, um, but yeah, it's super, like, I don't know this film, I think again, kind of like, um, Kind of like Starship Troopers, stronger front half and kind of gets a little bit lost towards the end. But really when the horse things come in, it's like sucker punch. And also when the when the, the main character has to do the rap, yeah. you know, that's like one of the most like, that's brutal. Man. I think that's the most kind of 
like pointed satire in the whole film like, not really on message with the rest of the movie exactly but great yeah. scene great scene mm. great scene and um i mean yeah. speaking about the horse people how did you feel about the like in your face kind of metaphor um of like you know workhorse or like these kind of um I felt like that that for me was just kind of like I almost applauded the movie at that point. I was like, yeah. you've just gone for full circle. This is kind of brilliant. I love it. I feel like it did the perfect job of the movie being absurd enough that it that didn't break it. Yeah. But also be hiding that well enough that it's quite a shock when it does happen. And I think I mean, I I agree with you, George. I think the front half of this film is more like I enjoyed it more. It felt a little bit more um, succinct. Um, yeah. But I also enjoyed as the film went on how how much more absurd it became. Um, I, I another to, another thing to one of your points about about it throwing so many things about there the whole can you know um, the celebrity endorsement type deal I thought very interesting thread but again it was just it felt like One, another. Two, another thing about like how these brands they they were clearly taking off that um jenner pepsi um ad mm. where that what happened there yeah yeah, yeah yeah they were clearly going after that and i was just like i don't disagree with you but like well i specifically you know. being just dis- remember being distracted the first time i watched it because the marketing so heavily features the image of him with a bandage on his head mm. and it takes a while for that to happen in the movie and i just remember kind of thinking like oh yeah what what's that about when's that gonna happen and I, it didn't really amount to much to me hmm I don't know. It's no, it was more of a like an aesthetic thing than anything else. But they, like they, the whole like him getting hit in the head with the can and like that that built out to like some you know this really big plot line that I felt was could have probably been left aside. This was uh, such a serendipitous double feature that um I just got the shit beat out of me show yeah whatever it's called that is di- like directly out of RoboCop. That's yeah. insane that 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 yeah. is in this. It's like straight up propaganda and, you know, I, I, I thought it was, it was kind of. What about the riots at the end as well? Like the riots, I was like, wow, this is 2020. Like this film is like, obviously all these things have been going on for so long. Right. But 2020 has been the year everything got exposed. And like mm. this film's like, yeah, of course it was way ahead of its time because it was paying attention to the issues at hand. And like, it sort of almost feels like, it's the sort of like this prophecy. Mm. Like obviously it's a different set of circumstances with the protests and what, mm. but the, just the imagery and whatnot was. I mean, watching any movie that has riots in it now kind of feels a bit. But if it was a riot in, you know, that wasn't, that didn't star a black guy, that's, you know, do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's I mean, a yeah, lot there's of a lot of connections. Like it, I agree it's, with well, you. Well, it, it's all completely by design. I was listening actually to Boots Riley's band on the way here because um, they've been around since like the 90s, um, The Coup, and they're like hyper-political hip-hop band. Right. Yeah, he's, um, he's hyper-political. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really comes across um, just uh, the few songs I listen to. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see where this movie has right. come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, I, I love this movie. I thought, I think it definitely feels like the first feature in a way, but refreshing, super great ideas. And has he done anything since this? I don't think so. No, I mean, there's so much talent there. It's, I think, just going through the motions and creating that film and... Yeah. 
I think I think there's a lot there for this guy. You yeah, know, he's he's got a really unique voice. Yeah. I I I gotta say, I the more I think about it, the more I really love the medium of satire, because it's one of the few ways that you can be ultra preachy without, you know, not having your audience just roll their eyes and be like, ugh, because you're you're kind of admitting that what you're putting out there is absurd. But there's there's bad satire, you know. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, it's in terms of if you're going to put out a preachy piece of content whatever that may be satire at least allows you a certain sense of like you know let's look at this in its most ridiculous form and it kind of gives license for people to look at perspectives that they might not have otherwise looked at in you know in a kind of a safe way because no one's really saying that or no, you, you can watch it without thinking they're criticizing specific things about you or, or a system or anything like that um, it just kind of makes you think about it and, and apply it. Mm. It's a hard one to get right, though. Um, I think um, mm. I feel like "Sorry to Bother You" is a, maybe a little unfocused in its message, and um, yeah. and Starship Troopers really has a bit of the cheeky old "Have your cake and eat it too" because you know it's it's you know obviously at its core uh, against this really jingoistic. Um, militarization but at the same time it's this really fun (laughs) war movie where they're killing all these bugs and you're like yeah go johnny rico so yeah it's a tough balance but what what a great like trojan horse for a movie that for us when we first watched as kids to be that kind of like awesome hoorah Hmm. kill the bugs thing and then to re-examine it as an adult and like we're the bad guys yeah and be like oh my god like this is like it's an important message it's a very cool double feature very cool how serendipitous yeah great stuff Really, really enjoyable. Benny, we got something up next week. We absolutely do. The votes are in um, pretty close. There's only uh, one in it actually for the first and second place, but we'll be watching uh, Takashi Miike's Itchy the Killer. This my does sound like a, a, a inside job if I'm... My if I'm first like. Miike <laughs> film, this will be. And my we buddy Jordy, well. uh, who's always in the movie book club, he told me, you're going to hate this, bro. Cool. He said it's like martyrs. It's super gory. Fuck, it's super right. dark. So I'm like, oh, okay, no. here we go. Strap in. Let's see. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen this one. This is one of the like two movies I haven't seen. It's one of those ones that's kind of like, Itchy the Killer. It's like the Yakuza. It's, it's one of those sort of, it's got this mystique around it, mm. but I don't know anything about it. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited. Well, that was me with Audition just a few weeks ago, and I love that. Um, I'm really enjoying what I'm watching from uh, Takashi Miike, so yeah. Ken. I haven't, I haven't, you know, as much as it has been recommended, I haven't gotten around to watching any of his stuff, and I really have no reference for his style either, so mm. um, I'm really interested to dive into this. Yeah. I really wish you hadn't given it that description because it doesn't make me excited to see it. Yeah. Um, Maybe good that you know. Yeah. So get yeah. ready. Yeah, I can prepare myself. <laughs> I mean, if anything, this will lower my expectations and then I can be yeah, blown yeah. away by the mastery that is. I find that anytime someone says a movie's really fucked up and I go into it, I'm like, oh, wasn't that bad. Please. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on in my head. Hopefully after <laughs> this fine. one, you're in a ball cold up crying. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah. With any luck, I won't have to do a repeat of at I mean, that's me every night, but Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> that that movie really annoyed me because ninety five percent of that movie I love. I love that. I love that part That's as the well. Best bit of the movie. <laughs> oh. All right. Peace out, folks. Enjoy you next week. Mm-hmm. Catch you.